This is Garrison Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Friday, March 3rd, 2023. Ladies and gentlemen, it's never been a better time to become a club member at CrossPolitik. This year, CrossPolitik will be dropping exclusive content into our club portal for club members only. Some of this content will include a Bible study series with Pastor Toby, a special with New Sanders College President Dr. Ben Merkel, our backstage content, and our conference talks. You can grab a club membership for 10 bucks a month. That's two cups of coffee. So again, head on over to FightLaughFeast.com to get signed up today. Day. That's fightlaughfeast.com. And we appreciate your support. And we can't do what we do without you. Now, let's get to the news. Could Iran make a nuclear bomb in less than two weeks? After it was reported this week that Iran had more than 18 times the amount of enriched uranium it was allowed to have under the Obama-era Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, or the JCPOA, the Biden administration claimed Iran would need less than two weeks in order to finalize enrichment to produce the material needed for a nuclear bomb. Well, because uh, Iran's nuclear progress uh, since we left the JCPOA has been remarkable. Uh, back in 2018, uh, when the previous administration decided to leave the JCPOA, uh, it would have taken Iran about 12 months uh, to produce one fissile, uh, one, one uh, bomb's worth of fissile material. Uh, now it would take about 12 days. Uh, and so I think there is still the view that uh, if you can resolve this issue diplomatically and put constraints back on their nuclear program, it is better than the other options. Calling Iran's nuclear progress remarkable, Defense Undersecretary for Policy Colin Call told the House Armed Services Committee on Tuesday that it would take about 12 days for Iran to produce one bomb's worth of fissile material. Recent evaluations by the International Atomic Energy Agency found that Iran has managed to enrich some of its uranium stockpiles to 84%, just shy of the 90% enrichment needed for fissile material in a nuclear bomb. Call, as with everyone else in the Biden administration, sought to place blame for Iran's nuclear progress on the Trump administration's decision to withdraw from the JCPOA. Blame the media quickly repeated. But the 2015 nuclear deal was flawed and mostly served as a massive payday for the murderous regime. What's more, the Biden administration has wasted years trying to negotiate a new deal with Iran, while Biden's own State Department has admitted Iran played the United States by using lengthy and unserious negotiations to continue ramping up its nuclear efforts as it feigned good-faith efforts. While President Biden and his administration were apparently content to continue pursuing diplomacy despite Iran using negotiations for its latest kabuki theater production, Israel is taking the threat more seriously and calling for international deterrence to Iran's nuclear ambitions. To that end, Israel's Strategic Affairs Minister Ron Dermer and the National Security Council chief are set to fly out early next week to Washington for talks on progress made in Iran's nuclear program. That's according to the Jerusalem Post. The situation is even more concerning given the deepening ties between Iran, Russia, China, and North Korea, and the fact that the United States' reaction to all this is being decided by Joe Biden, who has bungled multiple international incidents and hasn't shown himself able to present the United States as a power powerful deterrent to bad actors on the world stage. Moving on, let's talk credit cards. Discover Card 
to begin tracking gun purchases in April. Beginning in April 2023, Discover will become the first credit card issuer to track gun purchases made by their cardholders. On September 11th, 2022, Breibert News noted that Visa caved to pressure from gun control groups and New York Democrats agreeing to flag gun and ammo purchases via new sales categorization. The Associated Press observed that MasterCard and other major credit cards also agreed to flag gun sales. On March 2nd, 2023, the Independent Journal Review, or the IJR, reported that Discover will be the first among credit card companies to track gun sales in as much as the company will begin doing so in April. IJR explained, anyone using a Discover card to make a purchase in a gun store will have that purchase tracked beginning in April. There are over 55 million Discover cards in usage, so a lot of information on gun purchases can be gathered via that one company. Reuters pointed out that Discover Financial Services was ahead of Visa and MasterCard in February 2023, noting that Discover would allow its network to track purchases at gun retailers come April, making it the first among its peers to publicly give a date for moving ahead with the initiative, which is aimed at helping authorities probe gun-related crimes. Discover told Reuters, We remain focused on continuing to protect and support lawful purchases on our network while protecting the privacy of cardholders, end quote. The code for tracking gun purchases was approved by the International Organization for Standardization, or the ISO, in September 2022, and an ISO representative indicated the decision to use the new merchant category code is eventually left up to the users in the industry. And that is the news with credit cards. Hey, speaking of New York City, New York City spends nearly $100 million to house migrants in hotels after out-of-state busing. New York City's public hospital system will spend more than $90 million to house migrants at hotels in the Big Apple through the spring, according to local reports. The New York City Health Plus Hospitals Corporation, which operates public hospitals and clinics in the city, is tasked with overseeing housing for the influx of illegal immigrants. The group's CEO, Michael Katz, has approved spending millions on four hotels to house the migrants in Manhattan, the New York Post reported. Katz approved $40 million to go to the four-star hotel Row, New York City, near Times Square, and another $28 million, that is, to the four-star Stewart Hotel near Madison Square Garden, and $20 million to the three-star hotel The Watson in Hell's Kitchen, and another $5.8 million to the two-star Wolcott Hotel near the Empire State Building. The Post and online publication, The City, reported this month. All in, the cost for housing the migrants through the spring this year sits at $93.8 million. At least 47,600 migrants have inundated the city since last year, including when Texas Governor Greg Abbott began sending buses of migrants to the city in August amid an ongoing border crisis. There are a total of seven humanitarian response and relief centers in the city, including four hotels housing the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel in Long Island City, one at the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal, and another at the Holiday Inn in the Financial District. Quote, since the beginning of this humanitarian crisis, New York City has mounted a multi-agency response to ensure we are meeting our moral obligations and providing compassionate, comprehensive care to those arriving in our city, spokesperson for Mayor Eric Adams told the city. And New York City Health and Hospitals has been key in that response from the start. End quote. The housing plans have come with a series of issues, including at Row, New York City, found to throw out nearly a ton of food each day, according to a hotel whistleblower who previously spoke to the Post. 
Well, late last month, a group of migrants who were staying at the Watson Hotel in Midtown Manhattan refused to leave the hotel and even protested by sleeping in the streets after city officials said they would be housed at the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal. Adams even slept at the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal on the coldest night of the year earlier this month in an effort to fend off criticism that the facilities were lackluster. The mayor has meanwhile pleaded with the White House for more assistance from the government as the migrant population grows. Quote, I have a Republican governor dumping on my city, Adams said last month. I have a Democratic governor dumping on my city. That is where the national government should have stepped in and said, wait a minute, let's coordinate this effort, end quote. Democratic Colorado Governor Jared Polis, who also bussed migrants to New York City and Chicago as the migrant crisis swelled in Denver and other areas, but announced a halt to the busing program last month after outcry from Adams and Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Do you own a business and write a lot of proposals? If so, you should check out SmartPricingTable.com. Smart Pricing Table allows you to create quick and accurate proposals, and it's loaded with features like recurring fees, quantities, and line item upsells. When your prospect is ready, they can e-sign and you're off to the races. Visit SmartPricingTable.com and mention CrossPolitik to get 25% off your first two months. Again, that's SmartPricingTable.com. And I know the owner of Smart Pricing Table. He has helped me a big time when I made a bit of a mess up in some of my agreements. So thanks, Joe, for the assistance. And again, smartpricingtable.com. Now it's time for my favorite topic, sports. But this topic is tarnished today by today's story. Let's get to it. Christian High School withdraws from state tournament instead of facing team with a transgender player. Now, it's obviously I'm not disappointed with the Christian High School. It's that they even have to be dealing with this transgender player. I digress. A girls' high school basketball team in Vermont made a big decision last week when they opted out of playing in their biggest game of the year. The institution, Mid-Vermont Christian School, forfeited their first-round state tournament game against Long Trail because the team didn't believe it was fair to play against a transgender athlete. They explained that their decision not to compete was based on concerns for player safety and fairness. Vermont state law permits transgender females to play in girls' sporting leagues and prohibits discrimination based on gender identity. Quote, we believe playing against an opponent with a biological male jeopardizes the fairness of the game and the safety of our players. That was a statement from MVCS head of school Vicky Fogg. Allowing biological males to participate in women's sports sets a bad precedent for the future of women's sports in general, she continued. The state acknowledged the school's decision and thus their self-elimination from the postseeding postseason proceedings. Vermont's policy regarding transgender athletes has led to other controversies recently. In October, a middle school soccer coach from Rudolph Union High School was suspended after he allegedly misgendered a trans student. This action came in the course of him defending his daughter, who said she was uncomfortable with the individual being in the girls' locker room. Also that month, administrators at the school banned members of the girls' volleyball team after they also objected to sharing it with a fellow student who is a male. That situation lit a fire of controversy surrounding the Randolph School, which lies in a community with a population of fewer than 5,000 people. There were several verbal taunts exchanged and some even leading to threats of violence. For LGBTQ plus youth say national criticism of a town in central Vermont has done real harm because it made some transgender kids feel isolated and hesitant to go to school. It started with a complaint and questions over whether a trans student should be able to share the same locker room as her teammates. But as Jack Thurston reports, the situation quickly escalated into death threats. 
just think we all have an obligation to dial down the rhetoric. Vermont's governor calling for kindness and calm amid divisiveness swirling around Randolph Union High School. We have to be open-minded, understanding, with empathy, and uh, to put ourselves in someone else's shoes and uh, to try and take the hate out of this entire situation. The situation started in the girls' locker room. At least one volleyball player was vocal about feeling uncomfortable that a transgender athlete from the team is in the changing area with the other girls. Meanwhile, the trans student's family has said she's actually the one hurting here as the target of bullying and harassment. The school put a pause on the team's use of the space while it investigates. And at the agency, we expect the school district to leverage those tools uh, to do what's best for the community, but also to ensure student rights are protected. Now, for some context here, state guidance for schools does say a transgender student should not be forced to use a locker room or a bathroom that conflicts with their gender identity. But new battles in the culture wars emerged when the dispute got national attention. Caitlyn Jenner, for example, labeling the school's response backwards and tweeting shame on Vermont. The district even shutting down its own website when it was hacked and hijacked with anti-trans slogans. Some staffers tell us hate mail and death threats came in too over the locker room policy. It's an old transphobic trope and we need to call it what it is. Dana Kaplan leads the nonprofit Outright Vermont, which works towards safer and more affirming communities for LGBTQ plus youth. He calls the cruel responses to the volleyball situation a reminder of how trans people's gender identity can regularly make them targets of hate and violence. It creates a hostile and scary environment and we we have to remember that we're talking about a population of young folks who are already facing disproportionate risk. The district is now planning a pair of informational forums to discuss how the superintendent sees students as being harmed by adults' fights over identity politics and how the community can work to best support its kids moving forward. In Randolph, Jack Thurston, NBC5 News. The ACLU of Vermont also issued a response after the incident drew national attention. A spokesperson for the organization says the incident should serve as a reminder that all schools have an obligation to ensure every student's safety and a shared responsibility to respond when trans youth are harmed to reassure them that their rights are not up for debate. While the policy regarding transgender athletes varies on the state level in high school, it has a uniform policy at the next level. Current NCAA rules state that transgender women are allowed to participate in women's sports. <laughs> They're men. Uh, after undergoing one year of testosterone suppression. During an April 2021 survey in the United States, 17% of male respondents and 24% of female respondents supported allowing transgender girls to compete against other female athletes at the high school level. Folks, that's going to do it for this Cross-Politic Daily News Brief. If you like the show, go ahead and hit that share button for me down below. If you want to sign up for a club membership, a magazine subscription, or the Ark Encounter, head on over to FightLabFeast.com. And as always, if you want to send me a news story, if you want to ask about our conference this year at the Ark Encounter, or if you want to become a corporate partner of CrossPolitik, email me at garrison at FightLabFeast.com. For CrossPolitik News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great day, and Lord bless.